This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. And you're tuned in to the Morning Run right here on BFM 89.9. Han and Joyce here, keeping you company all the way till 10 a.m. this morning. It's now 47 minutes past 8 a.m. Now, if you missed the Breakfast Grill that just aired, uh, that was with YB Stephen Sim. He's the Deputy Minister for Youth and Sports. If you missed it, you can always download the podcast available on the BFM app. That's going to be uploaded in a few hours from now. Also, BFM's podcasts are now available on Spotify so you can check us out there as well can't live stream from there yet but uh, the live stream of course available not just on the FM frequencies but also via the BFM app alright Joyce uh, time now to look at the top business stories of the day let's start with this latest decision from Bank Negara they plan to flag cash transactions exceeding 25,000 ringgit starting next year. Now, previously, the or currently rather, the threshold was at 50,000 ringgit. It's set to be halved down to 25,000 ringgit effective January 1st. That's when it gets flagged to the central bank. That's right. And Governor Datuk Nor Samsia Mohamed Yunus said that the move to half the current deposits uh, threshold is part of the central bank's efforts to curb money laundering and a black economy. And Han, did you know that Malaysia ranks 10th in the list of illicit money outflows and money laundering offences in the world? Yeah, I'm surprised but also not surprised at that though, which is a bad sign. And currently Malaysia, I mean, we are we have among the highest mandatory cash deposit threshold. We're even higher than the US that stands at 10,000 US dollars. Yeah, so the rationale for this move by the central bank you know, is uh, so that it will help mitigate financial crime. There are some quotes carried in today's uh, business dailies here, you know, whereby the Bengaluru governor referenced some high-profile cases over the past year or so. Oh, I wonder what case that is. I or wonder what, what she's talking. Yeah, I wonder what she's talking about. Right. So you know, the idea here is that by lowering the threshold, then you have less of this uh, cash economy, so to speak. But then uh, they are moving perhaps over into the digital banking space, or you know, that could be a push towards the digitization of such transactions, as opposed to walking around with a briefcase full of. Cash. Yeah, and the governor also said that the move is necessary given commerce in Malaysia is still heavily cash reliant. Mm. Actually, stats show that you know when it comes to transaction, about eighty percent is still done in cash. Right. And uh, looking at um, this current um, cash, uh, this current uh, what they're looking at, uh, the reporting obligations are imposed on banks and licensed casinos as well. All right. So what does all this mean, uh, not just for the men on the street, but also for the banks? So, you know, one would expect a rise in compliance costs, uh, but you've got the Compliance Officers Networking Group Chairman, V. Maslamani, who's saying that, well, this actually would be very minimal, again, in terms of compliance costs, uh, uh, given the volume of vetted transactions there, because uh, most banks here in Malaysia currently already um, have automated the data capturing this process anyway. So very minimal in terms of compliance costs for the bank. Yeah, so Han, this uh, cash threshold report, right, it involves uh, physical currencies and traveler's checks, mm. but excludes uh, bank drafts, checks, electronic transfers, or fixed deposit rollovers, as well as renewals. Right, so, you know, if you are getting paid over 25,000 ringgit a month, you know, that's not something to worry about. This is, again, the physical currencies, right? Mm-hmm. Physical currencies. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so that's the update from the central bank 
there are still in going back to some of these high-profile cases. Let's talk about 1MDB. So yesterday, the uh, the Attorney General announced that the government will be challenging that 5.78 billion US dollar uh, agreement or consent award between 1MDB and uh, and IPIC. Yeah, so under the consent award, Malaysia has to pay some 5.8 billion US dollars to IPIC and the bond trustee over a five-year period. It has so far paid just under 1.5 billion US dollars, with the next interest payment of 50 million US dollars due on November 11th. Yeah, and look, the um, the current Ministry of Finance has been paying uh, those, you know, whatever is due, and they have previously, uh, you know, iterated their uh, commitment to make sure those obligations are met. But now the Attorney General is saying, you know not only are they going to challenge that agreement, but also perhaps try to recover some of the funds that have already played. I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Obviously, the good faith negotiations that have ensued apparently after, recall when IPIC accused 1MDB of being in default, <clears throat> you know, so then there was these, these good faith negotiations. I think given this legal challenge, I think you know not much has really come out of those negotiations here. So we'll see how this plays out in the court over there in England. Yeah, so according to Attorney General Tommy Thomas, the basis of Malaysia's legal challenge is that the award was procured by fraud mm. or in a manner contrary to public policy. And uh, he added that fraud is an, estab- is an established ground to challenge the consent award for public policy reasons. Mm. So uh, again, just to give you guys some numbers here, uh, some 1.46 billion US dollars had already been paid. Um, so there's a balance of 4.32 billion. Uh, so the idea is to perhaps recover that one and a half billion US dollars or so and then uh, free us from the obligation or future obligations. So again, we'll wait and see. So that's on the Attorney General side. Now you've got the former Auditor General there, uh, Tan Sri Amin, Amrin Buang, who has uh, weighed in on the 1MDB saga as well. Yeah, he was Auditor General from February 2006 until his retirement on February 2017 and recently he shared details of the difficulties his department faced in verifying 1MDB accounts and some of the complicating factors were the huge sum of money involved, the high-profile personalities involved and the international transactions and the task of you know verifying the work of both external and internal auditors. Yeah. But I find the timing of it quite um, interesting though. Now he's coming out to say this. Right, because it? he was the Auditor General, um, you know, like, yeah, like you said, from 2016 to 2017. From, from February 20. 20- Oh, 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah, sorry. 2006 to February 2017. So in short, he has labeled 1MDB a disgrace. Uh, he also um, criticized 1MDB for the mandate that they had because it goes against what Petronas is doing, you know, as an oil and gas venture. Also, it rivals Kazana. They are the uh, state investment arm, right? So what was 1MDB's role, really? Uh, in short, he labels it a disgrace. Uh, keep in mind that these comments follow some allegations that the auditor General's report, uh, you know, um, uh, into one MDB uh, had allegedly been tempered with as mm-hmm. well. You know, so yeah. Again, we'll kind of see how that all plays out. Yeah. Also in the news, we have a retirement fund, uh, Quap. The CEO Datuk Wan Karma Ruzaman Wan Ahmad, who has confirmed that he'll be stepping down from his post. Yeah. Uh, so he has held this post since May 2013. He was on the Breakfast Grill not too long ago. Again, you can find that podcast on the BFM app. And there were stories, you know, recently about how you know he could be stepping down. So here we actually have Datuk Wan Karma Ruzaman confirming his resignation. 
I've tendered with a three-month notice period. I think the notice period is three months effective first November till January and January. So I can be anytime on garden leave between that period. That was uh, Dato Wan Kamaru Zaman Wan Ahmad, the CEO of Coop. That's the uh, public pension fund there. Uh, so no news or no details yet about who could replace him, possibly by the end of January, if not sooner, because, like you said, he couldn't be on garden leave any time between uh, or any time during those three months. Yeah. Also in the news on Coop, uh, he has said that you know it is challenging to achieve a return of over six percent this year. That was achieved consistently over the past few years, Han, and then now. I guess with what's happening in the markets, the volatility and all that, um, Dato' Wan Kamaru Zaman is saying that you know that could it could be tough to achieve that 6% return. Alright, um, so I'm being told here that a possible candidate lined up to uh, replace Dato' Wan Kamaru Zaman could be um, yeah, uh, Syed Hamada Othman. Uh, he's a consultant who has done work in pension funding and actuarial retirement. Oh. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that um, uh, pans out. So if that uh, becomes official as well, but you know, going or oh, whoever replaces the Dohwan Kamru Zaman, right? I mean, those issues still remain because the biggest problem that Coop is facing right now is that they cannot generate enough returns to take over fully the government's pension uh, obligations and liabilities. Because right now, even with all the funds that are deposited and all the returns that they're making, guess what? They have no payouts. So mm-hmm. no liabilities right now, zero liabilities. So everything just gets reinvested. The idea is that Coop has to grow bigger and bigger and bigger uh, so that hopefully one day they can eventually take on those responsibilities. But they have not been able to grow fast enough. We have seen those numbers from the government. Right, how much of a share um, that that the government ha- has to pay out, you know, in terms of pensions and also salaries every single month? We'll get some, hopefully, some updated figures this Friday when Budget 2019 is coming out. So ultimately, whoever uh, goes on to replace Dato Wan Kamaru Zaman, he will then or he or she will then have to, you know, shoulder that burden, which is again a huge, huge task here. That's right. And uh, Dato Wang actually, he's a firm advocate of building a pension system that's sustainable. I think during his tenure, he had pointed out that the government still had to inject money to build up the pension system, right. and that it will take some years before you know pension liabilities of the government would be supported by Coop. Right. And I guess this recent news of uh, Dato Wan leaving, I guess it's part of a long list of new names that have been <laughs> that. Names that have been, I mean, personalities and leaders that have had to go because of the change in government. Yeah, you know, of course, the head of Kazana as well, Tan Sri Azman. Well, there's a change around in the EPF, uh, between EPF and Kazana. <clears throat> um, you know, so yeah, uh, of course, in the corporate sector as well. Yeah, CIMB, PNB, Red, yeah. Yeah, the list goes on and on, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, again, what does this mean for each of us or taxpayers, right? Because right now, taxpayers are still funding the uh, pensions and uh, the, the payouts for civil servants, right? Because again, Coop cannot yet fulfill its mandate. So again, hopefully, the either there are some reforms in place or in the pipeline, or I, know, I think one of the things that they're talking about is perhaps moving some of the civil service over to the EPF, uh, perhaps, or something along those lines. You know, whatever it is, you know, hopefully taxpayers, the burden on taxpayers can be alleviated if the civil pension fund can get its uh, act right. That's right, Han. You mentioned uh, Syed Hamada Ofman. This story in Starbiz says that he, who is a mathematician and a fellow at uh, of the Faculty of Actuaries UK, uh, he will assume the post on November 1st. That's tomorrow. 
Oh, okay. Mm. Well, there we go. Well, interesting update there. All right, with the little time that we have left, uh, you know, let's look at Facebook here. This is a fun one because Facebook has just reported quarterly earnings uh, roughly in line with expectations, although uh, some of their numbers have beat analysts' forecasts. Revenue coming in slightly lower than expectations, but not a significant shortfall. How did that translate into stocks? Uh, there was a sell down a little bit, but then it rebounded after that. Yeah, looking at um, the revenue figures, they made 1373 billion US dollars. Uh, monthly active users stood at 2.2 billion u- users. Yeah, and also perhaps this is alleviating some of the concerns surrounding Facebook given the controversies that they have had to endure in recent months. All right, we are coming up to the 9am news bulletin, but stay tuned after that because we also uh, will give you some live numbers from the local boards right here on BFM 89.9. Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.